Hello, folks, and welcome back yet again to the Mavs Outsiders Podcast, Bibs Corner Edition today. And we are back with another edition of the GOAT series. We're going to go through numbers 40 through 31. I am your host, as always, Mike Bibbins, on Twitter at Bibbs Corner. Uh, I've actually started up the Bibbs Corner podcast again. It's going to be all movie content. Uh, the first edition for 2022 has already been released. My man, Tyler Lennon, that's at Tyler underscore Lennon, L-E-N-N-O-N, came on to talk about the new Scream movie. Uh, during our conversation, we went through the whole franchise pretty much. We talked about the true crime ties. Just a fun conversation. So that's the Bibbs Corner Podcast. You can find it everywhere you find your podcast. But back to the sports side, you're here for the GOAT series. You're here for numbers 40 through 31. So without further ado, let's get into it. So picking it up, we're going to get right to number 40. And number 40 is Bob Fierick. His GOAT point total is 254.5. He comes to us from the pre-Mikan era, crossing slightly over into the Mikan era. He actually moved up two spots with the changes that were made. He was 42 on last year's list. Uh, he did not really have any nicknames. He was a 6'3 guard slash forward from San Francisco. He played his college ball at Santa Clara. That's the school that Steve Nash went to later. Uh, he actually only played in the BAA, which is what the NBA was called prior to the name being switched to the NBA, uh, from 1946 through 1950. He uh, played for the Washington Capitals when he was in the league. During his time, he was a two-time All-BAA first-team selection and a one-time All-BAA second-team selection. However, how did he get on this list? Well, when we had to do the calculations and figure out who was the MVP in those early years, he won the MVP for 1947 and 1948, which, if you're keeping track at home, would be the first two years of the league's existence again that's when they were called the baa and that's why i listed him as dominating the pre-mikan era uh he was the first best player in the league before mikan came in and took over for the next few years so he did not win any rings during his time in the league again as i said his claim to fame is that he was the first best player in the league prior to mikan uh, his number five is retired by santa clara uh, his 40.1% from the field led the league in the first BAA season. But let me say that again. His 40.1% from the field led the league in the first BAA season. To put that into perspective, right now, I believe Rudy Gobert is in the 70s as far as field goal percentage. And a lot of people like to use analytics in these all-time great discussion. And one of the things that gets looked at is how terrible the shooting percentages were in the early days of the NBA. But what people don't seem to put take into consideration is that there was no three-point line and the lane was like six feet wide. There was no space. Everybody was trying to get to the rim. 
and everybody was standing in front of the rim. Everybody was about the same size or there was some people that were taller, but for the, for the most part, everybody's in there in the mid six feet. And so it's going to be hard to get shots into the hole. Guys weren't used to shooting from range. It was not considered a smart shot. So a 6'3 guy shooting 40% from the field was insane pretty much at that time. Um, <laughs> moving forward, he was a player coach his last year in the league, which was the first year that the league was referred to as the NBA. Uh, he actually coached Santa Clara from 1950 to 1962 after he retired. Uh, he was three-time conference coach of the year there. He was actually Wilt Chamberlain's coach in the 1962-63 season when the Warriors moved from Philadelphia to San Francisco. Uh, they got him to leave Santa Clara to come coach the uh, Golden State Warriors in those early years. Uh, he was the Warriors GM and director of player personnel for a while after that. <clears throat> he did make the 25th anniversary team and he's one of the only two people that made that team <clears throat> and did not get into the NBA Hall of Fame or Basketball Hall of Fame. So he's not in the Hall of Fame uh, despite having made that 25th anniversary team when that was done uh, on the 25th anniversary of the league. Again, he was the first best player in the league, but he seems to be pretty much forgotten as time has gone on, except by the Bibbs formula. Let's keep it moving. Coming in at number 39 is someone near and dear to my co-host, Mind of Reese's co-host on his podcast, and that is Dolph Shays. Dolph Shays comes in at number 39 with 254.8 GOAT points, just slightly edging Furyk. Uh, he played his ball during the Mikan and crossing over into the Russell era. Uh, he moved up one spot from last year's list. His nickname was Sputnik because he had a high arcing jump shot. Uh, he was a 6'8 center from New York, New York, the Bronx specifically. He played his college ball at NYU, and he was in the league from 1949 to 1964. He did pass away due to cancer in 2015 at the age of 87. Uh, in May of that year, he actually had a street named after him in the Bronx. During his career, he played for the Syracuse Nationals and then one year with the 76ers at the end of his career when the Nationals moved from Syracuse to Philly. He was the league's first rebound champion in 1951. Uh, rebounds were not a stat prior to 1951. Uh, he's the six-time All-NBA first-team selection, six-time All-NBA second-team selection. When I did my calculations, he won one and a half defensive player of the year shares. He won five all defense first team selections, five all defense second team selections. He was the 1955 finals MVP per my, per my calculation as well. And he did, he did win a ring in 1955 with the Syracuse Nationals. His claim to fame, in 1966, he was also coach of the year with Philly. Uh, he was the league's first stretch big. He was uh, tall for his time at 6'9", 
but usually went with an outside shot that is <laughs> I can't read my own writing apparently he usually went with an outside outside shot but if you tried to contest it he would punish you off the bounce some additional facts about our guy Dolph Shays after I make a quick note for myself later All right. As a 16-year-old freshman at NYU, he led his team to the NCAA final. Uh, he was drafted to the Knicks of the BAA and the Tri-City Blackhawks of the NBL, who then traded his rights to the Nationals of Syracuse. So if you're keeping track, <laughs> uh, the BAA and the NBL were the two leagues that combined to create the NBA in 1947. So he was drafted by both the BAA and the NBL, the NBL team being the Nationals. Uh, and he chose the Nationals because they offered him uh, $7,500 to play, which would be equivalent to about 80000 today. Uh, and the Knicks had only offered him 5000 so about two-thirds of that. The BAA and the NBL then merged to form the NBA after his rookie year. So his NBL stats are not included in the NBA. For whatever reason, when the merger occurred, the BAA stats were counted, but the NBL stats were not. So he pretty much lost a year of production stat-wise uh, because he chose the NBL over the BAA. Uh, he led his team to the playoffs in 15 of his 16 seasons. He was 18th in, he's 18th all-time in career rebounds per game. Uh, he became a player coach on the team in Philly after the move, but he retired after one year and became just the coach. Uh, he broke his dominant arm one year and played the entire season in a cast. The results of doing that were that he became ambidextrous after that. He was the last player to shoot a two-handed set shot. Most had moved to the one-handed jump shot by the time he retired. At the time, he had set a record of 18 free throws in a row in a game without a miss. Uh, he also set a record of 706 games without missing one from February 1952 through December of 1961. And finally, he was the first player to score over 15,000 points and the first ever to have 30,000 point rebound assist total. And that's points, rebounds, and assists added up if, if that wasn't clear I'm getting hiccups here let's keep it moving number 38 on our list is John Havlicek coming in with 267.2 GOAT points he played his career during the Russell and into the Kareem era. He, he actually moved down five spots from last year. Uh, he was th number 33 on the list. His nickname is Hondo. He's a 6'5 shooting guard slash small forward from Martins Ferry, Ohio. Played his college ball at Ohio State. Again, his career spanned from 1962 to 1978. Uh, and he did pass away at 79 years of age uh, due to, and he had Parkinson in his late, in his late years. He played his entire career for the Boston Celtics. His accolades, he was the 1974 Finals MVP, 
a four-time All-NBA first-team selection, seven-time All-NBA second-team selection. He earned five All-Defensive first-team selections and three All-Defensive second-team selections. When I had to do my additional calculations, he did get an additional Finals MVP, so that would be a second one for him in 1968. He also earned three more all-defensive first-team selections and three more all-defensive second-team selections, which bring him up to 14 all-defensive selections in his 16 seasons. He also had eight rings, which is, and he had the most finals appearances without a loss uh, of any player in NBA history. His claim to fame is that he was known for his stamina. Competitors said it was hard to keep up with him. Uh, he revolutionized the six-man role and was also known for his clutch steal at the end of the 1965 Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the Celtics were up one with five seconds left. On the inbound, Bill Russell's pass hit a wire that was hanging from the ceiling. So with that, they, the Celtics turned over the ball. And Wilt and the 76ers got the ball back now down one with five seconds left. Havlicek was face guarding his man on the inbound with his back to the ball. But as soon as the ball was passed, Havlicek spun around and tipped the ball away to teammate veteran. I'm sorry, tipped the ball away to a teammate. Veteran ref Earl Strom said it was one of the greatest plays he'd ever seen in his 32 years as an official. Johnny Most's call of the play was dubbed the most famous radio call in basketball history. And I believe it's something like, Havlicek stole the ball, he stole the inbound. Just an insane clip. I'm sure everybody has heard it if you've listened to historic NBA clips. Um, and that play kind of reminds me of the, the clowny hit where he knocks the Michigan dude's helmet off. Like After uh, the team, Michigan had gone for it on fourth down and they were very clearly short. They brought out the chains to measure and there was like a half a foot between the chain and the ball, but the ref gave him the first down. So then the very next play, Clowney knocks the Michigan running back's head off, forces a fumble, and recovers the ball for South Carolina. It was one of those type of plays, again, where the Celtics, Bill Russell went to pass the ball in, and a weird wire that shouldn't even have been there hits the ball, so that's a turnover. Um, and then Justice is justice takes over, and Havlicek gets the steal on the, the very next play. So just an interesting, interesting tidbit about Mr. Havlicek. Some additional facts... Uh, his number 17 is retired by the Celtics, and his number five is retired by Ohio State. He is 49th all-time in career playoff points per game and in career points per game. Uh, he's 14th in total playoff points and 20th in total points. He was a key player on the first team to overcome a 3-1 deficit. He was drafted by the Cleveland Browns in 1962 after appearing in their training camp as a wide receiver. Uh, he was actually a three-sport athlete in high school. He is the Celtics' all-time leading scorer to this day. He was the first swingman or shooting guard small forward combo. He was a steel maestro and a defensive pest, and it's really a shame we don't have those stats tracked from the time when he was playing. Havlicek was also an early investor in the Wendy's fast food chain, and he actually lived off of that wealth when he retired versus living off his basketball money. Because uh, as we know, basketball players made pretty good money, but not like they do today. Let's keep it moving.
Number 37 on our list is one of my favorite guys that I learned the first time I did this list, somebody I had never even heard of, and that is Paul Arizon. Paul Arizon earned 277.5 GOAT points. He played his career during the Mikan and crossing over into the Russell era. He actually moved down one spot from last year, again, with the adjustments and tweaks that I made to the formula. His nickname, Pitchin' Paul, or Poppin' Paul. Uh, he was a 6'4 small forward. His hometown's Philadelphia, and he played his college ball at Villanova. His playing years were from 1950 through 1962, with a two-year gap in the middle, which we'll get into later. Uh, he actually passed away in 2006 at home, peacefully surrounded by his family. He played his entire career with the Philadelphia Warriors, he was unofficially the 1951 Rookie of the Year. Uh, he was a two-time scoring champ in the NBA. Uh, he earned three All-NBA First Team selections and one All-NBA Second Team selection. When I went back and did my calculations, he earned a First Team All-Defensive selection for 1951 and a 1960 Second Team All-Defensive selection. He was also earned the 1952 MVP award, according to the calculations that were done additionally. And that MVP award is likely what got him onto our list to begin with. His rings, he did win the 1956 championship with the Philadelphia Warriors and was named the finals MVP that year. Again, according to the calculations. He was famous for his line drive jump shot, which is what got him the name pitching or popping ball. Fun facts, at Villanova, he once scored 85 points in a game, and he scored over 100 against a junior college in an exhibition game one time. He's 29th all-time in playoff points per game, 31st all-time in career points per game, uh, after his second year in the NBA, he left to serve in the Marines during the Korean War. Uh, and that was the 52, 53, and 53, 54 seasons. Again, that was after his second year. He was actually all NBA first team the year before he left to go fight in the war. He uh, also led the league in scoring that year at 25.4 points per game and also averaged 11.3 rebounds per game with a field goal percentage of 44.8. Uh, which led the league and again back in those days that was pretty insane uh, when the Warriors moved to San Francisco he chose to retire uh, he was only 34 at the time and basically I mean he played high school college and pro ball in Philly he didn't want to move across the country money wasn't like it, like it is now folks and let's keep it moving been in the legends for a while the, the olden days let's bring it a little bit more modern with number 36 and that is david robinson he earned 278.18 goat points played during the mike era and crossing over into the duncan kobe shack era uh, he actually moved up five spots with the tweaks that were made from 41 to 36 uh, his nickname is the admiral he was a seven foot one lefty center from Key West, Florida. Uh, played his college ball at the U.S. Naval Academy and was in the NBA from 1987, quote unquote, through 2003. 
And the reason I put that in quotes is because he didn't actually play those first two years due to his naval commitment. He played his entire NBA career with the San Antonio Spurs. Once he did arrive, he was the 94 scoring champion, the 91 rebound champion, the 92 block champion, the 92 defensive player of the year, the 95 MVP. He had earned four All-NBA first-team selections, two All-NBA second-team selections, four All-NBA third-team selections, four All-Defensive first selections, and four All-Defensive second-team selections. The man got busy. I feel like a lot of people don't really know about David Robinson. Uh, He did win two rings in 1999 and 2003. His claim to fame is, uh, one, his naval service being what he's known for. Um, we'll get into it a little bit deeper later, but exceptions were made by the Secretary of the Navy that allowed him to work as an officer in the Civil Engineering Corps since he could not serve on ships. And again, we'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. His number 50 is retired by the Spurs. He's 43rd all-time in career points per game. 46th all-time in total career points, 42nd all-time in career rebounds per game. Uh, David Robinson was actually 5'9 his junior year of high school. He grew to 6'6 his senior year, and the coach put him on the team, even though he had never played organized basketball or gone to any camps at that point. He ended up being all-area and all-district, but barely had any interest from any colleges. Uh, He signed with the Naval Academy, even though they had a height restriction of 6'6 for all cadets, and he had actually grown to 6'7 at that point. Uh, The superintendent granted him a waiver, expecting that he wouldn't grow much more. But by the start of his second year, he had actually grown to almost seven feet, which again prevented him from serving on any naval ships during his service time. Now, of course, with all of that said, again, he was 5'9", his junior year, had never played basketball, suddenly shot up to six foot six and was forced onto the basketball team. Definitely never expected to be an NBA talent, but ended up being a number one pick after earning All-American honors in college. Though he was nicknamed the Admiral, he was actually a lieutenant. <laughs> uh, the year before he joined the Spurs, they were 21 and 61. The year after he got there, they went 56 and 26, which is one of the greatest turnarounds ever. Uh, David Robinson, just an amazing story personally. If, if I have to put my, my stamp on it here, um, to think that, like, you know, I graduated at 5'6 from college. I had a little bit of a growth spurt in college, but imagine being 5'9 as a 17 year old and just living your life, and then all of a sudden you're seven feet tall and about to be in the NBA. Like, I can't even imagine the the way his life changed that dramatically, that quickly. Uh, he wanted to serve in the Navy, but his body kept growing. He could never go on a ship because he was too tall. And again, he came to the NBA and just dominated when he got, like, just an insane story, just an insane story. Uh, I definitely might need to pick up a, a David Robinson book at some point. Matter of fact, I'm going to put that on my wish list right now because, uh, again, I, I just can't imagine the the dramatic shift in life trajectory because your body did things you didn't expect it to do. Um, let me see here. Let's see. I'm looking it up right now, and if I find one, I'm going to name it. Uh, put 
season journal. I don't see one. We're going to keep it moving. If anybody knows of a David Robinson book, I'll add your boy. Put me on. I'm going to take a sip and then we're going to keep it moving. My, my, my. The NFL playoffs are going crazy right now. We got overtime games. Last-minute field goals by Tom Brady. But that means there's only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. With Super Bowl 56 around the corner, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If you're not a new customer on DraftKings Sportsbook, that's okay. You can still get in on the action with same same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit. I just sounded like a monster. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Number 35 on our list is... George Gervin coming in with 298.2 GOAT points. Played his entire career during the Kareem era. He's actually up three spots from last year. His nicknames were Iceman and Ice. He was a 6'7 small forward slash shooting guard from Detroit, Michigan. Played his college ball at Eastern Michigan. It was a third round pick actually. uh, The 40th overall. His playing years were from 1972 to 1976 in the ABA and then 1976 to 86 in the NBA. Uh, He actually played one year in Italy after he retired. His teams were the Virginia Squires, the San Antonio Spurs, and then he played his last year in Chicago with the Bulls. He was a four-time scoring champion, all in the NBA, a five-time All-NBA first-team selection and two-time All-NBA second and I believe, yes, two-time All-ABA second as well. He did not earn any additional accolades from me, and he never won any rings. He never even made it to the finals. He was nicknamed the Iceman due to his cool demeanor on and off the court. He Also because he would not break a sweat on the court. Now, he had the trademark finger roll that everyone knows about. Uh, other people had finger roll layups, but the Iceman would do it from like the free throw line distance. 
some additional facts about Iceman. His number 44 is retired by the Spurs and his number 24 is retired by Eastern Michigan. He is 11th all time in playoff points per game and career points per game. He is 17th all time in total points. He initially went to school under Jerry Tarkanian at CSU Long Beach, but left before his first semester was over due to culture shock. He once punched a player in a playoff game in college and was kicked off the team. He also lost an opportunity to play for the Olympic team due to that situation. He ended up signing a $40,000 contract with the Squires of the Virginia Squires, but was then sold to the Spurs for $228,000. The ABA tried to block that trade because Gervin was the last star player that the Squires had. At that point, they had already sold Julius Irvin and Sven Nader for picks and cash. However, the Spurs won that case and he was allowed to go to San Antonio. He scored 63 points in slightly more than one half of basketball and sat most of the third and all of the fourth after he secured the scoring title in 78. Amazing. Imagine what he could have done if he had kept playing. Uh, <laughs> I wrote this note last year, and I'm going to keep it uh, I'm gonna say, keep it again. He actually pulled a Durant and blew a 3-1 lead in the conference finals in 1979 after finally getting past his rival, Dr. J, which, unfortunate situation. Uh, MJ was actually mad when he was traded to the Bulls and Gervin's last game was MJ's 63-point playoff game where he set the NBA record for most points in a playoff game. That was the last game Gervin played in. And that's all I got for the Iceman. Right. Moving along. Number 34 on our list is another more modern player. You'll definitely know this name by heart. And it is Kevin Garnett. Coming in with 302.34 GOAT points, he played his career during the Mike, Duncan, Kobe, Shaq, and LeBron eras. Uh, he actually moved up one spot from where he was last year. Uh, his nicknames are KG and the Big Ticket. Uh, 6'11", power forward from Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, came to the NBA straight out of high school. Uh, played from 1995 through 2016. His teams were the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Boston Celtics, and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, he His accolades, he was a four-time rebound champion, the 2008 Defensive Player of the Year, the 2004 MVP, a four-time All-NBA first-team selection, three-time All-NBA second-team selection, and two-time All-NBA third-team selection. He was nine-time... He was named to the All-Defensive first-team nine times and the second-team three times. Additional accolades he got from me, he did get half of a Finals loser MVP share, which he split with Rondo for losing in the 2010 Finals. Uh, he did have a ring with the 2008 Celtics. His claim to fame is that he was a legendary trash talker. And I did not go in depth with the facts about KG, but I'll give you some. Uh, he's finished 41st in career playoff points, uh, currently 21st in total career points. 
He is the only player to reach 25,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, 5,000 assists, 1,500 steals, and 1,500 blocks. At least as of the offseason, I have not checked on it since. And again, this is going by the offseason. So anything that's happened this season so far does not count. He's the only player with 20, 10, and 5 for six seasons. And that's five assists. Um, and then he also had a great performance in the recent movie Uncut Gems, which uh, I thought was great personally. I don't, I don't know how y'all felt about it. Uh, KG, and this is me just tacking on here. KG is often debated as one of the greatest power forwards of all time with Dirk and Tim Duncan, but I can guarantee you neither one of them is anywhere near 34 on this list. So uh, personally and formulaically, <laughs> I don't think he's in that conversation, but we'll get to that a little bit more later when we get to those players. Let's keep it moving. Number 33 on our list is Steve Nash, coming in with 316.54 GOAT points, played his career during the Jordan, the Duncan, Kobe, Shaq, and then the LeBron era. He's actually moving down one spot this year. His nickname is Nashty. His height, 6'3", position point guard. His hometown, or he was born, I should say, in Johannesburg, South Africa but grew up in Canada. His college was Santa Clara. Uh, he played in the NBA from 1996 through 2014. He's currently head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, during his career, he played for the Phoenix Suns, the Mavericks, the Suns again, and then finally the Lakers. He was a five-time assist champ, two-time MVP, three-time All-NBA first team selection, two-time All-NBA second team selection, a two-time All-NBA third-team selection. He earned no additional accolades from me. Uh, he had no rings as a player, but did win two as a consultant for the Warriors. Uh, his two MVP awards were both controversial. Uh, his number 11 is retired by Santa Clara. He is 10th in career assists per game. He was a four-time 50-40-90 club uh, I don't even know what the designee, uh, whatever. Uh, he, he made the 50-40-90 club in 2006, and then 2008, 2009, and 2010 consecutively. He's the only player besides Larry Bird to do it more than once. Uh, he's a co-owner of the Vancouver Whitecaps in the MLS. Uh, he did not play basketball until he was 12, and then he told his mom in the eighth grade that he was going to the NBA. Uh, he was offered a four-year deal worth $9 million a year by the Dallas Mavericks the year before he left, or the year he left, uh, because Cuban, Cuban did not want to lock up a 30-year-old point guard long-term while trying to build around dirt. When the Suns offered Nash six years for 63 mil, Nash asked Cuban to match that deal, but Cuban refused. And my heart was broken as a young Dallas Mavericks fan to this day I'm still pissed that Steve Nash was let go and there's a lot of people that say oh you never could have predicted what Nash was gonna be but I didn't care I was an emotional kid I love Steve Nash I wore number 13 Nash was part of that reason and uh it, it sucked that we just let him walk away um but there were other people that I wish they would let walk away now <laughs> 
Anyway, let's keep it moving. So, I know you uh, you probably got used to hearing bibs for a while on this ad, but uh, I'm going to take over the reins again uh, to tell you a bit about our ad, our sponsor, Anchor. Uh, back in 2020, during the pandemic, I finally took the opportunity to start my own podcast. The only issue was I had no idea where to start. Um, I didn't have any podcast equipment. Uh, no camera, no microphone, you know, uh, any things that you see in a studio. But what I did have was my cell phone, and that's why I discovered the Anchor app. Anchor is the perfect app for new podcasters, for beginning podcasters, for people to start their very own podcast. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, like I mentioned. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast through other platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. So it's doing most of the work for you. All you have to do is hit play, press record, and get your work out there to the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And the best thing of all, Anchor is totally free. And on top of it being free... You can acquire your own sponsors like the ad I'm doing right now through Anchor. So you have an app for free that you can possibly make money off of. Seems like a fantastic deal to me. If you're interested in starting your own podcast with the Anchor app, make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Tell them Reese sent you. got two more people to get through and number 32 was another one of the guys that i actually did not know about until i did the goat series last year artist gilmore artist gilmore comes in with 322.05 goat points played most of his career during the kareem era crossing over into the mike era he actually moved down five spots he was number 27 last year uh, but due to the tweaks he dropped five spots his nicknames are the a-train late sleeper and rigor artist he was a seven foot two center, uh, left hander. Uh, he was born in Chipley, Florida, but went to high school in Alabama. His colleges were Gardner Webb and then Jacksonville University. He played from 1971 to 1988, with his first five years being in the ABA and then the last 13 in the NBA before playing one year in Italy. His teams were the Kentucky Colonels, the Chicago Bulls. San Antonio Spurs, and then he played his last NBA season with the Celtics. Accolades. He was the 1972 ABA MVP and Rookie of the Year, uh, 1975 ABA Playoffs MVP, a five-time All-ABA First Team selection, four-time All-ABA Defensive selection, four-time All-Defensive First, I should say, a one-All-NBA Defensive Second selection, and he won uh, four rebounding titles. Additional accolades he got from me uh, were four and a quarter, so 4.25 defensive player of the year shares using my formula. Uh, and he had one additional all defensive first team selection based on my calculations. He did win a ring uh, in 1975 
uh, in the ABA before the merger. He actually had 28 points and 31 rebounds in the final game of that series. He was known for his signature afro and chops. Some additional facts about artists. He's 27th all-time in total points. He's 15th all-time in career rebounds per game. Uh, he still holds the Division I NCAA record for rebounds per game. He averaged 24.3 points and 22.7 rebounds for his college career. 22.7 rebounds per game. Uh, he was the first pick of the dispersal draft after the merger uh, between the NBA and ABA, and I'll explain how that worked. Uh, they were all but two teams were, or four teams, I believe, were, were sucked into the NBA, and then two teams had their players dspersed amongst the NBA teams, including the new ABA ones. Uh, the two teams that did not merge into the NBA were the Kentucky Colonels and the Spirits of St. Louis. Uh, he played again for the Kentucky Colonels, so he was in that dispersal draft. Um, and again, he was the first player picked out of that draft. He played in 670 consecutive games. Uh, he took Jacksonville University to the NCAA title game where they lost to UCLA. He was drafted by the Kentucky Colonels and the Chicago Bulls in 1971. <clears throat> but the ABA made sure that he went to a team that could actually pay him good money, which is the only reason he ended up just going seventh in the draft. He actually signed a 10-year $2.5 million contract with the Colonels when he when he was drafted. The Bulls picked him in the seventh round of the 1971 draft to secure his rights if he ever decided to leave the ABA, knowing uh, that they could not match that 10-year $2.5 million contract. And again, that made it ironic that, so when they did the dispersal draft once the ABA and NBA merged, um, it just so happened that the Bulls ended up getting first pick in that draft. So even though he never left the ABA where the Bulls would have had his rights, when the dispersal draft happened, the Bulls luckily got that first pick and were able to finally get him to come join them. He beat out Dr. J for the ABA Rookie of the Year and MVP awards in 1971, which, again, that's a huge deal. Uh, he set a record of 40 rebounds in a game. Uh, in the ABA while he was there. And that was, again, a single game, not per game, like, for a season. Uh, at the time of his retirement, he was the NBA leader in career field goal percentage. Uh, Artist Gilmore is a player I advise you to look up because the, the pictures and images of him, like, he was an early, like, freak, like, when you watch him on the court, like, the things he was doing. There's this one picture I found where he's blocking a shot and his hand is like the the shot is from directly in front of the basket uh like from the other side of the court and his hand is legitimately at the top of the box like grabbing the ball on the block like it it's insane um and again when i put out the written pieces i usually put like a video highlight clip as well so uh, be on the lookout for that it's already there's already one from last year's list if you want to go to bibscorner.com type in artist gilmore and 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 find that but uh, yeah, find some pictures and, and video of artist Gilmore because he was insane. Finally, number 31 on our list is Mel Daniels. 
He earned 323 GOAT points. He played his career in the Russell, crossing over into the Kareem era. Uh, he moved down three spots from last year, actually. His nicknames were Big Mel or Big D. Uh, he was a 6'9 center from Detroit, Michigan. Played his college ball at New Mexico. Uh, he played his career from 1965 to 67 to 75 in the ABA. Uh, he played in Italy for the 75-76 season. And then he played 11 games in the NBA after trying to come back. Uh, he actually passed away until 2015 at the age of 71. During his career, he played for the Minnesota Muskies, the Indiana Pacers, the Memphis Sounds, and the New York Nets in that one year when he came to the, the NBA for 11 games. His accolades, he was the 1968 Rookie of the Year, a two-time ABA MVP in 1969 and 71. He was a four-time All-ABA first-team selection, one-time All-ABA second-team selection, and a three-time rebound champ. Uh, when I did my calculations, he did earn one Defensive Player of the Year and three All-Defensive First Team selections. Additionally, he won three rings with the Pacers in 1970, 72, and 73. And again, that was in the, the ABA where he played almost his entire career. Uh, claim to fame. It's not really a claim to fame. It's just an important note about his career. He retired at the age of 31. Uh, at that point, he had been lied to by one team, then picked up by a team in the Baltimore Claws that ended up disbanding before the season even started. Uh, and then he was passed over in the ABA dispersal draft after the the, 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 the Baltimore Claws disbanded. Um, and at that point, he lost a lot of passion for the game. Uh, he did go overseas and play for a year, and then he came back after the NBA-ABA merger. Uh, but he was waived after only playing 11 games with the, the New York Nets. Additional facts, he is sixth all-time in rebounds per game. His number 34 is retired by the Pacers. Uh, he was actually a poet, uh, but he didn't share any of his poetry with his teammates. He uh, allegedly wrote over 20,000 poems during his lifetime. Uh, coach Will Robertson, Robinson, excuse me, who later became the first black coach at Illinois State and also later became a scout for the Detroit Lions and the Detroit Pistons, forced him to play basketball and never gave up on him despite his struggles to run. Uh, again, that was Coach Will Robinson. And when I say he struggled to run, guys would be lapping him during sprints. But then all of a sudden, at some point in his his uh, career, it clicked for him. He ended up growing to six foot nine his senior year, and that was in high school. And he had to go to community college initially because again, he he was trash. He could barely run. Um, and then he had the growth spurt. Uh, his athleticism decided to kick in, and um, because nobody was looking at him, he ended up at a community college initially. Uh, his junior year of college at New Mexico State, his arm went through a glass door and he had to get 352 stitches. At the time, they were believing it could have ended his career. And somehow he only missed one game. 
352 stitches. He only missed one game. I'm not quite sure what that looked like. I I, I just imagine him looking kind of like Frankenstein and blood oozing everywhere as he played. I I just can't. I, it's not. Com- I'm not comprehending that at all. Um, <laughs> he was drafted by the NBA and the ABA, and was the first player to snub the NBA uh, when when he chose the ABA over them. He would have played with Oscar Robertson had he gone to the NBA instead. Both teams ended up offering him a $15,000 signing bonus, but the Minnesota Muskies offered him a $30,000 salary, where uh, Cincinnati and the NBA offered him $17,500. So $30,000 versus $17,500. <laughs> uh, he said it wasn't about the money, though, when he made his sele- selection, but mm, I don't know. That's That's a little bit of a difference. Um, he also second all-time in rebounding average in the ABA and first in total rebounds. He might be one of the only guys, one of the few guys that played his entire career in the ABA uh, that made the list. Uh, he's quoted as saying, if a fight started, everyone got into it. The, the fine for fighting at the time was only $25, and he enjoyed being physical and knocking guys down. He said he rebounded with his elbows out. <laughs> specifically for this reason he was an assistant coach at indiana state under bob king where he later coached larry bird uh, when larry bird was in college eventually he ended up working for the pacers as an assistant starting in 1986 Uh, seven years later he became a scout with the pacers and uh, he retired in 2009 after seven several years as the director of player personnel with the pacers uh, some people point out how important he was to this to, to Indianapolis. Um, again, he won three championships there. They have not won any since. Mel Daniels is kind of a big deal. And he rounds us out at number 31. We're going to get into the top 30 in our next edition. And I'm looking at that list now. The first guy up is someone who you all know. Oh, wow. Let me look at this batch real quick. One, two, three. I see two active players, one mega legend, two mega legend, one of my favorite players ever. Uh, A a lot of big names in this next batch from 30 down to number 21. Can't wait to check in with you guys. Until next time, peace.